I, I wrote a song cycle that will soon, hopefully, knock on wood, be released as an album somewhere. Nice. Um, so I, this is not the album recording. This is a live recording. But um, with Latitude 49, um, it, it's eight songs. And this is the final song. And um, it's uh, unusual for me. Well, the noise one was also unusual for me in that I wrote the text. That's kind of a new mm. thing for me. This was uh, this song that I just linked you to is the first one that I wrote uh, my own text for. Um, and the song cycle is a series of what I'm calling feminist rager lullabies for a new queer era. And so there are a lot of um, there are a lot of lullabies and nursery rhymes that kind of indoctrinate kids from a young age into heteronormativity or gender roles, things like that, um, which I think are ultimately kind of damaging <laughs> for everyone. Um, and so some of the songs in this cycle, I reset those words to new music or I change the words to provide commentary on those uh, early messages, um, essentially writing lullabies for the self in a way. Like, um, what do I wish I had received as a kid and there's no commentary on my parents parenting they were wonderful parents but you know societal messaging things like that and what would I what's still not too late for me to hear as an adult and so this one in particular is very much kind of a love song for the self in that way um gets a little a little visceral gets a little intense but that's kind of my thing um, <laughs> that's, that's my go-to as a composer. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and we're hearing from Annika Sokolovsky about the piece that we also heard, Shy One, Sweet One, performed by Annika with Latitude 49. And uh, that will be part of an upcoming album that, can, that uh, features these reconfigured nursery rhymes. Uh, so uh, look for that. That should be really, really fantastic. I've had the great good fortune to know Annika for many, many years and to watch her develop as a composer and performer and uh, win all these wonderful awards, work with great ensembles. Um, she's doing really, really well. And so it was wonderful to be able to catch up with her. We hadn't actually spoken uh, much in many, many years. So it was really nice to talk with her for this program. and. Uh, to feature her music so let's jump right in um well let's let's start with the um let's just start with this notion of writing your own text um can you tell me like because uh, that i mean to me that's a little bit terrifying actually um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how, do, how did you uh come up with the idea to do that and, and how did you proceed um well, I, I guess it started, there was kind of like a gateway um, drug to writing my own text, which was working with um, pre-existing texts like lullabies and nursery rhymes in the public domain. So what's so nice about that is um, no one's going to yell at you if you change it. So that was, I was making changes to the text, repeating things or changing um slightly changing meaning, things like that, having fun playing with the words rather than like constructing them from scratch. And um, I, I have worked with living poets and I, there's nothing, <laughs> I don't have anything against working with poets, but they're, you know, that's their baby. And if I get in there and change things, they don't like that. And so musically, I don't like to be stuck to the structure of the text. I find that really um, 
it's there are good constraints that enable creativity and then there are bad constraints that shut it down and for me having this structure dictated by pre-existing text is uh, a bad constraint i would say and that's just me personally other people love it so um i really enjoyed having that flexibility and working with text especially as a vocalist getting to um explore like if there was just a vowel that didn't feel good in the musical context that I wanted to just change the word so that I can have a different resonance or um, a different timbre or be in a different range and still have it the text be intelligible um, I really enjoyed that flexibility so I was doing that a lot with um, my song cycle don't say a word of which shy one sweet one is the final song and um, I got to a certain point where I just there was one song that I knew the cycle needed which was one really about self-love and and how the things we view as flaws within ourselves are um maybe they're not flaws maybe it's just that society doesn't value those things um so uh that was I ended up just kind of writing in very, very elementary, like a rudimentary nursery rhyme format, the text for that song, which was um, shy one, sweet one, love your temper, love your tongue, love what scares them, then you've won. And for me, that was a big experience growing up. I was always very shy, but um, if you got me talking, I, I was really passionate and I was, uh, not afraid to point out when I wasn't being treated fairly as a girl um, or uh, when boys were picking on me in the playground, things like that. Um, and that was always seen as like a bad thing. You know, I wasn't allowed to have that temper. I wasn't allowed to um, to defend myself or I had teachers who would you know, criticize me for being so defensive. And I was like, I'm not. <laughs> that's just disarming me for standing up for myself you know it's not a bad thing and um so anyway that's that kind of self-love of of this thing that um I'd always been told was was bad for me to have um as part of a bigger picture of of self-love and so that that just kind of came out in like five minutes of me doodling on a piece of paper I didn't think much of it um and it was nice to be able to hide behind the nursery rhyme thing um and then uh that kind of opened the floodgates i think to some degree um with i tell you me and that piece i wrote all my own text for that um but it was loosely very loosely based off of the nursery rhyme uh sugar spice and everything nice that's what little girls are made of and then the other verses like um dirt snails and puppy dog tails that's what little boys are made of that's so horrible I just it's hilarious to me um and so that became a jumping off point and I just took it to another level um in terms of of the text and um I think having that prompt was helpful to not have to start from from scratch but I I really really enjoyed writing my own text for that and having it be so malleable and evolve alongside the music. Um, and I, I think I'll do it again. I can't claim to be a great, a great author. I think that that is, um, my music holds up my words rather than 
the other way around. Um, but I'm okay with that. I think that's one of the things composers say for as a reason not to write text is, you know, um, well, that's an art form in and of itself. And it's really, that, that's true, but it depends on what your intention is, right? I mean, you know, if your intention is to set a great, great poem, then yeah, maybe, maybe you don't write it if you're, if you're not a great, great poet. But yeah. if your intention is, you know, especially for you, because you, you sing a lot of this yourself, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, so it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of which, talk about, I mean, writing a piece for yourself to sing. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, that, that seems, I mean, is that something that, had you always been vocalizing? Is, is that something that was part of your compositional process from the very beginning? No. <laughs> no, I really, I, I didn't, um, I, I, I was not trained as a singer. I was trained as a, a classical violinist and, um, and then I got into fiddling and because I enjoyed it so much more than, than playing classical music. And um, vocally, I there was kind of this big, I would say like a year of discovery or so um, that I had um, kind of in between college and starting my master's degree where I just really encountered a lot of phenomenal vocalists who I, I they just really resonated with me I was in awe of them and um all these like living real people <laughs> as opposed to um like recordings I think I think I needed to have that experience in person one of them was a vocalist who I um I was in the University of Pittsburgh Carpathian Ensemble with, uh, which is an Eastern European music ensemble. And they let me crash the ensemble even though I didn't go to Pitt. And um, there's this wonderful vocalist there, um, Elizabeth uh, Chudari, and she, or Chudari, um, she specialized in, uh, in uh, Russian folk song. And she just had this way of, of producing sound that I had not heard before. And it was so colorful and there were so many different corners of her voice that she brought to a song um, that it really told a story in a, in a powerful way. And I started getting very into the music of Savina Yanatu, who's this phenomenal Greek singer, um, also known for quite a wide range of colors and, and um, and qualities in her voice. And this is vocalist Lori Watson, vocalist Fiddler, um, but also a lot of, I was playing a lot of Klezmer. Um, and there's so many phenomenal, um, I, I was playing Klezmer as a Fiddler, so many phenomenal Yiddish singers um, like Lawrence Klamberg, Sasha Lurie. Sasha became a big uh, mentor figure to me. And I wasn't singing though, I was just in love with these things. And my composition teacher at the time, I was working on a, uh, a song cycle for this friend, uh, Elizabeth, who um, sang in the Carpathian Ensemble. And um, she was in nursing school and she had to cancel a few times. And I was like, oh man, this piece is never gonna be performed. And my composition teacher had been hearing me demonstrate passages and lessons. And he was like, I think you should, I think you should sing this. And I remember thinking, I think that is a horrible idea. That will never happen. And fast forward a few months, it did happen. And I did sing it. And I just fell in love with, with the feeling of, of like, rather than sitting in the audience and feeling awful when your piece is performed and wondering if your heartbeat's going to ruin the recording instead to be actually up on stage making 
that music with people it's just so much more profound an experience for me I just there's nothing like it and um and yeah I, it's become a huge part of my compositional process singing a lot of the music that I write even if it's instrumental in nature just as I'm composing it to be singing through lines and things like that but um it's uh just really completely shaped the way I write music entirely it's I've learned to <laughs> I've learned all about space and resonance and color and in, in ways that I hadn't been thinking about it before and it makes me really happy and it lights me up to think about it
again, it's, 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 it seems like a personal, you know, a personal piece too. I mean, mm -hmm. um, the performance that I happened to catch at, at Constellation was, uh, I mean, I just felt like it was, you know, one of those really special moments where everybody in the room is like, wow, okay, we just, we just saw something really, really special together, you know? Oh. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. So uh, congrats. Thank you. Yeah, it, it is very personal. I mean, I, I, it was also really personal to do it in Chicago and to have that kind of coming home for me. I mean, I'm not from Chicago, I'm from Naperville, which is, for those unfamiliar with um, Chicagoland geography is like 40 minutes straight west um, on the train. But um, so much about that, of that piece is about um, growing up queer in the Midwest of being told who you're supposed to be and just not connecting it you know I like I just felt this tremendous disconnect for most of my life with the world around me and it's only been in the last like five years that I really felt like I have found my place in the world and um <laughs> and shortly after I felt like I found that COVID hit so like we none of us knew our place in the world right um so to come back um to performing um after, not after the pandemic, but after everything shut down to come back um, and then to do it in my hometown, so to speak, and to share this um, there with people who I, I really care about and people who, um, yeah, who just really seem to get it. Um, it was a, a spectacular experience and I, I'm not sure that I've had a, an experience quite like that before. It was, um, it was utterly joyous, I guess. Talk about um, the the experience of uh, uh, going to Gaudiamas, going to Utrecht, writing that piece. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I, I covered Gaudiamas with the radio thing years ago, but I can't remember. Do, do you write the piece while you're there in Utrecht? No. Okay, okay. yeah, all right, all right, okay. Okay, yeah, because you're not there that long. All right, well, you said you wrote it fast. But anyway, um, I, I turn it over to you. Talk talk about that piece and the experience of um, being at Gaudiamas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't really know what to expect um, from Gaudiamas. I'd not really had much experience with it before. Um, I just applied because a mentor had said, hey, you should apply. And I said, okay, cool. Um, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Um, and so I wrote this piece before um, I was really even in, you know, the mindset of traveling <laughs> across an ocean for the first time since COVID. Um, but here in, in Boulder, we've, we've kind of been through a lot in the last few years as a community. Um, and I, this was the first piece I wrote um, after this uh, mass shooting happened at a grocery store in town at King Supers, um, 13 people, uh, were killed, I believe, and um, it was a grocery store that many of my colleagues frequent, as well as my students. It's right near a student section of town, and um, it, I mean, COVID was hard enough, and then to have that on top of it, it was just, like, my students were, I, like, I couldn't even process it because I was too busy just trying to, like, um, I don't even know, be there for them as much as one can over Zoom, um, be accommodating, listen, create space for that. Um, it was, it, it was, it was really hard on them. And um, there was, um, 
the the one kind of ray of hope in there was um, just how strongly the community did come together um, in response to that, how helpful they were to to one another, and um, that that was a beautiful thing to witness. And so I wanted to write a piece about that um, because what else do you write a piece about after something like that has happened in your community? So um, the piece is uh, inspired by this uh, book that I really love called The Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows by John Koenig. And he comes up with words um, and definitions for um, that don't yet exist in the English language, uh, words for kind of universal experiences or, or um, feelings. And there was one um, in there called Silience. And I'm going to Let's pull up the definition of that. Um, silience, it's a noun, the kind of unnoticed excellence that carries on around you every day. Unremarkably, the hidden talents of friends and coworkers, the fleeting solos of subway buskers, the slapdash eloquence of anonymous users, the unseen portfolios of aspiring artists, which would be renowned, master, renowned as masterpieces if only they'd been appraised by the cartel of popular tastes who assume that brilliance is a rare and precious quality, accidentally overlooking buried jewels that may not be flawless, but are still somehow perfect. And I think that kind of encapsulated this, um, this quiet, um, quiet power and, and beauty and kindness that I was seeing around me from day to day.
I, I, I play a, a unusual Norwegian fiddle that has 10 strings. So five sympathetic and five that you bow. Um, the original was designed by Dan Truman, who was uh, my advisor at Princeton. And um, so that piece, I layered tunings of, I layered recordings of myself in like seven different tunings um, with the trio. So that one was, um, that was really fun.
That was Annika Sokolovsky and the Parhelion Trio performing the piece Turad. I want to thank Annika for being a guest on the program today. Relevant Tones is a production of Access Contemporary Music, a nonprofit organization with the mission of bringing musical creativity to life every day. Find out more at acmusic.org. For Relevant Tones, I'm Seth Bosted. Thanks so much for listening.